Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. I'm your host, Allison Weisbrot, editor of Campaign US, and my guest this week is Carla Pinheiro Sublet, Chief Marketing Officer at IBM. Pinheiro Sublet joined IBM in February and has a big vision for how its marketing department will evolve under her leadership. With AI as a singular focus for IBM as it spins off its infrastructure services business, the company will start to tell richer stories about the role AI can play in fixing issues in society. A longtime B2B tech marketer, Pinheiro Sublet has a vision for how B2B marketing needs to change. Think fewer white papers and cold LinkedIn messages and more rich storytelling, video, and creativity. Hi, Carla. How are you? I'm great, Allison. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. So you started at IBM pretty recently, and I know you and I have chatted since then, but give let's give our listeners a little a brief update on how your first few months um, has been at IBM. Sure. Yes. I started in February of this year and I'm pinching myself. I don't know how I got so lucky to have the opportunity to shepherd this awesome brand and get to work with such amazing people. Um, I, I feel truly grateful to be here and I could not be more excited. Awesome. So, um, Talk about your vision for IBM from a marketing standpoint. I know there's there's changes happening at the company, some of which you might not be able to get into at the moment. <laughs> but um, talk a little bit about like what you see as the opportunity for the brand, which is such a storied brand and technology in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously, there's been a lot of change in the in the technology world since IBM started. Of course, if I think about it. We, yes, we have a lot going on, but there is such a massive opportunity to really get crystal clear with the world with respect to what it is that we do, who we do it for, how we do it, where we do it. And, and we've lost a little bit of that in the, in the last few years. And I see a real opportunity for us coming into next year to be crystal clear with respect to that message. And, and that's what we're working on now. Uh, and, and I think in addition to that, and Allison, you and I have talked about that, I also have a very long held belief that there's an opportunity to disrupt the way B2B marketing is being done today and Mm -hmm. to, to bring those messages to market in a very new and different way. That's really compelling uh, to our customers and future, future clients as well. Yeah, for sure. And we'll we'll definitely get into that. But um, so I know that, um, you know, IBM, a big, a big focus for IBM is artificial intelligence and, um, Watson is something that you guys had been talking about for a long time. What is the status of Watson now? And like, what role does that play um, in what you do at the organization? Watson and our artificial intelligence software is core to our strategy moving forward. And today we have over 40,000 client engagements with Watson across 20 different industries. And it's a significant component of how we're helping our customers modernize and transform their businesses. So Watson is very much key and core to our strategy moving forward. Um, can you talk a little bit about like which, like how it's being applied? Like I think you know people are sort of fascinated by AI and business and the potential for transformation. I don't know how much. Absolutely, 
Sure. And in fact, COVID and digital transformation has even accelerated it that much more. If I, if mm-hmm. I think about customers like CBS, for example, they had a tenfold spike in call volume uh, as the U.S. started to roll out vaccines. And we helped them deliver a customer care solution using IBM Watson Assistant in less than four weeks. And by infusing AI and natural language processing into the workflow of its telephone customer care system, CVS has been able to quickly and accurately respond to a range of questions around COVID-19, whether people are calling about how to get tested or vaccines or symptoms or so on. And, And so that's just one of many examples of how we're helping customers with the issues that they're facing as a result of, of what's happening in our world today. So you mentioned that, um, you know, part of your vision for IBM is, is a rethink of B2B marketing and and what that Mm -hmm. sort of looks like. Talk about that and what you, what your vision is for how B2B can change. Part of the vision is, is driven by what I've experienced as a decision maker myself. So I'm actually a target for a lot of marketers as a CMO given the, the, um, the size of my budget. And what I've come to realize is I don't make my decisions based on an email that I get or a LinkedIn ping that I get or a banner ad. I make my decisions based on my colleagues, based on best practice sharing. And so in just my own personal experience, I started to realize, wow, we have really lost our way as, as tech marketers since the advent of the MarTech stack. And while data and understanding customer preference and personalization is absolutely relevant, I also find that it's really important for us as marketers to remember that our number one responsibility is building a relationship with our clients and the brand. And and to that end, another thing happened. So COVID happened, and I find that we are all consuming massive amounts of information through streaming and motion and video. And and so I started to really think about it and thought, man, how cool would it be if we actually could bring to life what it is that we do with real life customer storytelling in a really compelling and inspirational way that actually inspires and educates customers? And how cool would it be if we could take it to the next step and really begin to educate customers in such a way that it could benefit their work lives. If I personally had something like that to consume, I know that I would be consuming it and, uh, and that it would inform my decision-making uh, around what I buy and what I don't buy as a CMO. So that is part of what's informed that and in that I believe that people are consuming information differently. People want to learn and be inspired. They want things of substance And they don't want to be chased with banner ads or have their email boxes, inboxes or LinkedIn inboxes filled up uh, with pings. Yeah. I mean, how much do you feel like this also has to do with the the shift in the work, the way we work in the past year, year and change? Like you're not really a separate person at work as you are at home anymore in a very tangible sense now. So it's it's more like viewing the business uh, buyer as the consumer that they are. Allison, you're spot on. And this is something I've given a lot of thought to just personally, not as much as a, as a marketer, but you're spot on. And, and our lives are becoming completely fluid. And when I started my career in the 90s, it was all about having a work life and a home life. And there was a, 
a big wall between the two. In fact, it was kind of frowned upon to even make friends in the workplace. And and now our lives become completely and totally fluid, uh, where I have meetings at my home and uh, and we, you know, people know my dogs because they see them in the background and, and I've gotten to know people's kids. So you're right. Our lives have been completely fluid. And, and, and to that end, I, I think that that's going to only increase where we're one person, we're not two personas and the sophistication that we're seeing in our consumer consumption is going to be expected in our B2B lives. We're going to we're going to want things to be as easy in our work life as they are in our consumer lives. Mm, Yeah. And so to your point, like what sorts of things do you envision IBM doing? Um, Like I know when we last talked, you talked, you said some interesting things about how you envision like your O&O website and properties to be like. That is something that we are actively working on now. But you're right. This is something that I really want to streamline and modernize. I have a very strong point of view in terms of what customers and clients' expectations are going to be with respect to the digital experience. And not just in terms of how they consume information and get informed or get support, but actually in how they actually purchase and sign contracts and uh, and get additional information and deploy resources. So this is a massive piece of work that we're looking at right now. Yeah. And um, I know we also talked about how IBM has a lot of like stories, right? That it, that mm-hmm. it could tell that it hasn't told in the past and um, sort of pulling from the B2C world. Where do you see opportunities for, for B2B and a company like IBM to do real some real storytelling? Well, I actually see an opportunity to completely rethink what a B2B website looks like. So if you go around and look at the different tech companies' websites, it pretty much all looks like the same template. And right. I'm I'm wondering if there's an opportunity to completely modernize the in- interface and have it look more like a Netflix-like or Masterclass-like interface where you can actually consume episodic information and video that educates you. And and that's something that, that I'm looking into actively right now. Yeah. I mean, that sounds super cool. Um, a lot more interesting and engaging than maybe like a white paper, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and I want it to be so inspiring and so cool that not only does a, a customer, a future customer uh, find value in it, but how cool would it be if we found out that, that people were starting to educate themselves on AI and cloud and, and we became a destination for that and we began to inspire people to enter the field? Yeah. I mean, just this week you saw Salesforce launch a streaming service, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely, I think I smell a trend here. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay, cool. So, so what do you feel? I mean, obviously you, I can tell you feel like creativity, you know, plays a really big role in, in B2B marketing. Um, how do you see like that emphasis on creativity and storytelling potentially changing the marketing department at IBM, how it's organized, how it functions, the type of talent that you look for? One of the things I've discovered since I arrived at IBM is, holy smokes, we have the most incredibly talented people. And what I did not know about IBM was our heritage and design. So we have a deep, deep heritage in design. In fact, our founders believe that good design was good business. And as a result, we worked with 
luminaries from the start. So Paul Rand designed some aspects of our brand and our fonts. Uh, we, our buildings are built by the likes of, of Saarinen and Mies van der Rohe and I am pay. So, so we already have a heritage and amazing design and we have a tremendous workforce of super creative people. This is actually the least of my worries. I, I, I think that this is one of our biggest assets in enabling some of these really incredible customer stories to come to life. And I see this happening in such a way that, that it's almost as interesting as, as a film. And, and, and so it's not as, as cold and sterile as a, a typical B2B interface, but it's actually beautiful. And it, it has a story arc and it has characters. The only difference being that they're real. Mm. So it's more like documentary style. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, you've been, you've been in B2B tech marketing for pretty much your whole career. Like, is there any assumptions that you have that you have to challenge as you start to think about B2B differently? That's a really great question. So I, half of my career was spent in sales and half of it in marketing. So I'm not a traditional CMO in the sense that I didn't really grow up as a marketer. And as a result, I think that's enabled me to challenge everything. Mm. And, and, and that's the fun part. And, and I think that that is the most important thing to know as a marketer is that it's our role to, to continue to evolve. And we can't be too set in our ways in terms of how we go to market. And we have to really be, outside in, in terms of what are our clients? What are people doing? How are things changing? How are things evolving? What do people need? How can we bring them value? I think part of our roles as as marketers is to really have our hand on the pulse of culture. Yeah, definitely. Um, To that point, do you think there's any, like, as you sort of evolve IBM's marketing approach. Are there new like channels you want to explore? I know you like, obviously the website is a big focus, but um, social media, like, you know, typically more like branding heavy channels. Yeah. The team does a great job on social media. As a matter of fact, I love our Instagram account, Uh, but I'm, I'm looking at any and all channels and, and, so, you know, obviously there's the usual suspects that there's what, what are we doing on YouTube and TikTok and, um, and I don't know yet if Snapchat is an opportunity. I, I, you know, I think that's worth exploring. I'm less concerned right now with the channel and more concerned with the content and the quality of the content. Mm-hmm. I think the channel will, will sort itself out, Allison, but it's, it's more about the, the caliber and quality of the talent of the, excuse me, the the caliber and quality of the content. And that's where I'm going to set a very, very high bar for us. Yeah. So how does that, um, like trans, like ripple, sorry, trickle down to the agencies that you work with? Like as you sort of shape this new vision approach, I know you guys have a longstanding relationship with, um, Ogilvy, but how are you thinking about your agency partnerships? Yeah, our agencies are a critical part of the team, and uh, your agency relationship is only as good as, as you make it. And I have been, from the moment I started, have been sharing with them my thoughts and ideas, what I see our challenges being, uh, what I'm trying to solve for. And I think what that relationship looks like for me is they're part of the team, and they help us figure this out in terms of this vision. And um, and then I think the other thing is... Uh, 
really not settling for anything less than our best work and, and really pushing for that and challenging us on a daily basis to make sure that we're doing our best work. And internally, like how does it change the way your department looks? I know you talked mm-hmm. about doing a lot of streamlining and, and reorganizing last time we spoke. Yes. So I came into an organization that really functioned like 40 separate marketing organizations and it was aligned to the business. So it was no one's fault. It was just aligned to the business. But I decided that we were going to align to the market instead. And um, so rather than aligning to internal organizational constructs, we would align to what we were trying to achieve in the marketplace. So that means one marketing organization that's aligned by functional expertise. And that's the big shift we're making right now, uh, which means that we've got a really strong uh, operations team uh, that's at the heart of it, that's helping us figure out where our growth is going to come from and aligning us strategically to, to what the company is trying to achieve and the markets that we're trying to move. It also means having a really strong content and product marketing and brand team uh, where all of our creative lives and where our production house will be built for everything that I'm talking about. It means having a a centralized demand function that's really thinking about how we create and drive all of our client experiences uh, to ultimately drive demand. And then it means really having a very robust in-country model Uh, where we are closest to our sales organization and our clients and have an understanding of of the unique countries in which we operate in and and what value we can bring in those geographies. So it became a lot more about functional expertise and and developing those skills than about really organizing ourselves based on an org chart. Got it. And is the content and production team something that's going to be new that you're building or is that something that you're, that was already there? It's a combination of both, Allison. So like I mentioned before, we've got some amazing talent. It's about bringing them together Mm -hmm. uh, on one team so that they can actually do their best work. And I imagine it's a place we will continue to invest. Yeah. What, I mean, on on that point, like what elements do you feel like it's critical for you to have in-house? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I don't know. I don't really have strongly held beliefs in terms of what's done in-house versus what's done externally. Mm. The lens by which I make that decision is more along the lines of, do we have the skill set? Can we hire it? How long will it take us to develop it versus actually hire it Um, from an agency perspective? That's the lens. And so I don't really have strong opinions in terms of bringing everything in-house or doing things with a a lean team and, and agencies. It's more along the lines of, okay, what are we trying to achieve? How fast do we need to move? Do we have time to build it or do we have to hire it? Mm, okay. Interesting. And does anything, like, I know you said agencies are still like a critical part of um, your, your team, but like, does anything change as you realign your organization in terms of maybe you notice areas that are like becoming more important, you need more support or I don't know. Does it change the structure of your agency roster in any way? I think the the biggest change that we've started to do, and this predates me, was really taking a look at the diversity of the, the businesses that we work with. And not just on the agency side, but in terms of all of our suppliers and vendors. And that's something I have a tremendous amount of admiration for and pride about. Uh, so that's something that we're actively doing right now, which means we, we actively measure... 
the percentage of businesses that we give business to that are minority owned. Mm. And, and so I see that evolving more than anything else, Allison. Interesting. Well, on that topic, I mean, what's your, like as a leader um, uh, in the marketing space, like what's your view on DE&I and how are you going to apply that to your leadership and your role at IBM? This is a bit of a full circle conversation in the sense that we started at the top of our conversation talking about Watson and the future of Watson. And mm. we're actually actively using that technology now to, and it's, we're running a pilot to look for bias in media. Mm. And, um, and we're partnering with the ad council on it. And for me, that's super, super exciting. Yeah. To, to think that we could use our, our artificial intelligence tools to look for bias is, is just so inspiring because there's so many applications of that. No, it's, it's amazing. Like what other ways do you feel like AI can help the advertising industry, the marketing industry, corporate America, um, fix some of its issues on, on equity? Well, that's a big one, right? Uh, <laughs> because I think, you know, AI can, can eliminate, uh, some of the natural biases that we have, um, as people, but, the other part of this too is that it's only as good as it's programmed. So mm-hmm. in addition to that, and this is a bit meta, but in addition to that, we also have tools within our AI that look for bias in the programming itself mm. and flag that. And, uh, and we have one of the, the crown jewels at IBM that I've just been blown away by is our research organization head, headed by Dario Gill and his team really takes this to heart in terms of the technology that they're developing. And it's, it's just super, super impressive, the work that's being done there. In fact, we just created something uh, that, that we'll be launching here shortly called the AI Fact Sheets. And AI Fact Sheets, if you think about it, it's like a nutritional label on a, mm-hmm. on a food that, that you buy in the grocery store. And it gives you transparency. So the, the goal is it for it to increase the transparency so that folks can enable governance around their AI programming and they can see exactly uh, what's happening in the AI model. That's very cool. Um, And what about like, as you sort of, you know, look at IBM internally and hire for your team and um, look at the agencies you work with, like what are some of the goals that you have in terms of, you know, making IBM's marketing just like more representative of the people who use its products? Well, a couple things. Diversity and inclusion, as, as I mentioned, is something that's very, very important to us at IBM. Uh, we have a long-standing heritage in it. In fact, we had an equal pay policy that predated the civil rights movement, just to give you some perspective. Mm. And we are actually measured on diversity um, and compensated. Um, our bonuses are tied to our diversity numbers. So it's something that we take super seriously. And, uh, and it's something that's always top of mind for me as we, as we build our teams. That being said, I've come into a tremendously diverse and super talented team. And when I mentioned I'm pinching myself, part of it is I, I feel so fortunate to be shepherding this brand, but also I'm working with amazing people. And Allison, I've always said, you know, for me, one of the lenses by which I make decisions around where I work is if I'm going to spend this much time away from the people that I love, I want to love who I'm working with. Mm-hmm. And IBMers are a special breed. And, and this marketing organization has really, really amazing people. And I feel super fortunate to be a part of this team. Awesome. 
Well, I'm to your point. Um, for we haven't really been together much over the past year, right? We've been with our families more. Yeah. Um, I know people are like very much changing their back to the office plans rapidly right now with what's happening with the rise of the Delta variant in the United States. Yeah. What are what is your what is IBM? I'm not sure if IBM has taken a stance on this, but um, if if you do have to continue working from home for a longer period of time, um, you know, how do you sort of keep your teams motivated? How does that impact some of your plans for the rest of the year? Yeah. Well, I think one of the things to to really keep in mind is that everybody is experiencing this differently depending on what's going on in their personal lives. You've got folks with young children that can't be vaccinated. You've got people that live by themselves. Uh, you have people that are fully vaccinated and ready to be out in the world. So that's that's one of the things that makes this a unique challenge. What we've decided to do is we are open, opening a significant percentage of our U.S. offices on September 7th. People can come in on a voluntary basis because not everybody has a great home working environment and they're they're ready to get back into an office. So we're going to make that available to folks that are vaccinated. Mm, okay. And and so that happens September 7th. Um and and so that's where we stand right now and then we're just watching it really closely, Allison. I mean, the word of this year and last year is adaptability. That's- and 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 I don't really know that we know where this thing is going and we just have to be adaptable. But our, our lens for now has been giving people choice and optionality. And uh, and I think that this is this strikes a nice balance in terms of giving people a place to go if they want to convene in an office, uh, but also doing it in a way that's as safe as possible. Yeah. Um, what about events? I mean, I, I know from from being a B2B journalist that events are huge in B2B. Um like, how do you see maybe virtual playing into your strategy there for the rest of the year and, you know, going forward? Oh, boy, Allison, I feel like I should be asking you this question with all the people that you talk to. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm actively reaching out to all my peers to see what they're doing in real yeah. time. Uh you know, we were really hoping to come back in full force in the fall. That's what we were planning for. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's a bit of a bummer because I don't know that that's going to be really possible. So but, how are you adjusting? Like, how do you stay adaptable? I think you adjust by thinking about really what are you trying to achieve? It comes back to what I was saying about what's going to add the most value to our clients, what they need from us right now. Um, and... Do you convene people in a very in very small settings? Um, do you do digital for scale and for uh, for broader education? And and we're just being very intentional in terms of our plans. And this is where account based marketing really comes into play, mm. which is really trying to understand okay, what are we trying to achieve based on the decision makers in our key accounts, and um, and where do we see value in bringing them together? And then for scale, it has to be digital. I, I don't see us convening large amounts of people right now. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like there is a real replacement for those large scale conferences, trade shows? Like have has B2B like figured that out yet? No. And I think it's actually a good thing. I think it's time back to the disruption. I think it's time to break that. That's kind mm-hmm. of an old way of doing things. And uh and while I think people are really wanting to get back together and, and, and I definitely feel a demand for that as well. Um, I kind of like the fact that 
all of our traditional systems are being broken and we're having to rethink them. Yeah. Have you had any thoughts on like what what the future model could be? You know, we're thinking about it now, Allison, and um, and it's it kind of boils down to what I was saying earlier, which is if you're looking at scale and education at scale, like your developer community, then digital probably makes a lot of sense. And mm-hmm. how do you do so in a way that's interactive and um, and and really compelling and interesting to folks? And how do you do so differently? Because we've all been sitting in our offices for so long. How do we mix it up to make it fun? Are there, is there a combination of experiences that we can offer them? Can we send them something to their homes? Can we, can we make it fun in that way? Can we, how do we engage them in the process? I think is the the biggest opportunity for us. And then on a smaller scale, I think the other thing is we have to be a lot more thoughtful. If we're going to bring people together, it has to be with meaning. Like, what what would compel us to bring people together? And um, and so mm-hmm. it's not enough to bring people together just to network or just to hear what you're up to or just to launch a product. It, it has to be a lot more thoughtful in terms of something that they're trying to solve uh, specifically in their business and bringing that value to them. Yeah. Well, it seems like there's going to be a lot of changes in, in B2B over the next few years, and it's definitely an exciting time. Yeah, we're working on it now. And my commitment to you is once we've got it somewhat figured out, I'll come back to you on it. <laughs> cool. I'll hold you to that. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much, Carla, for joining me. It's uh, it's great to chat with you again. and. Um, I'm excited to see what you guys come up with at IBM. Well, and I always enjoy talking to you. Thank you so much for having me, Allison. That's all the time we have this week. Thanks for tuning in to Campaign Chemistry, and we'll see you next time.